Well, you may be seated. Tell your neighbor you are looking good today. And I saw the coolest thing. Pastor Zach leading worship today. He's our technology pastor. He's got us live streaming on Facebook now. So listen, you can, yeah, you're out of town. You can watch Facebook. Now you cannot stay home in bed and watch church because there are bed bug emojis that I will send to you that I think will turn into real bed bugs. So you do not want to stay home in church, okay, unless you're not feeling well. But you know what else I saw this morning when I tuned it on? I saw that I could invite my friends to watch. And I think that is a tremendous idea to invite people to church who's never come and they can experience it. So now listen, if you happen to do it right now, you cannot be playing on your phone, okay? Watch your neighbor. We're going to self-police each other, all right? So watch your neighbor with me. Hey, we started a series last week called Amazing Grace. And you remember the song, the most popular hymn in the world, was written by John Newton. He was a former slave trader. Grace simply means God's kindness to those that don't deserve it. There was a phrase of, that, uh, of the song that said, I once was lost, which means I was away from God. I was doing my own thing, going my own direction, but now I'm found. God and I have relationship now. And God's love for me is truly amazing. Well, that's been the series, but it's not just about God's grace for me. It's about people in need of a Savior and the privilege we have as Christians to tell them. Now, how many know if you happen to be, um, I, I like to duck hunt. Um, when you duck hunt, though, unfortunately, you got to get out on the cold. And sometimes we go out on the lake. And if I were to see a capsized boat on the lake, I don't care how many ducks were flying around. If there was somebody in trouble, we would go to them and get them out of the water. We'd put a, a warm coat on them. We'd get them to the bank so they wouldn't die. We would just naturally do that because we care about people. How many know that's the same attitude a Christian has for the spiritual needs of people? Uh, if a person is physically sick, well, for, for example, if you're, if you're home and, you know, you, you, your parents were there as someone and they had a heart attack or, you know, your child fell out of the, uh, off, off out of a tree and they're not moving, you'd call 911 for someone to come and help you. Now, we know how to do that in the physical world when my body's sick, but spiritually, we don't know, we don't know how to dial 911. That's why God has called Christians, you and I, to be able to take the gospel to other people, to take the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what this series is about. Um, next week, I'm going to do my best to, we're going to actually have a little drama next week, and we're going to show you the most practical way that I can come up with how you could personally lead someone to Christ. Uh, i got to admit, I, I've been a Christian a long time now, 40 years or so. It's hard sometimes to talk to people, especially people that are your friends, your family, uh, uh, or, or a stranger. I mean, even if I feel the Lord nudging me, go talk to them, I might kind of go like, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, my, 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 my name's John, and uh, um, would you like to come to my church sometimes? Uh, here's a card. It's just kind of hard, but I want to tell you next week, I'm going to teach you how to make it easy and how you can bring it to the point to ask someone, listen, I hope this doesn't happen, but one day it will. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? We'll talk about that next week, but the last week of the series, two weeks from today, uh, we're going to have a family and friends day, as Pastor Mike talked about. And I'm just encouraging you to let's take a first step together and hopefully we can see lots of your family and friends make steps to Jesus. I'm going to do my best to have a very practical message about the benefits of Christianity and what it means to, to be a Christian. But today, uh, let, let's look at Romans 10 verse 13 as we get going this morning. 
Romans 10, 13, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This word saved, it means they'll be they'll, on judgment day. It is the salvation. It's talking about heaven. Jesus is the source of that. But then it says, how, it asks several questions. How can they call on him, on Christ, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Good question. But how can they hear unless someone tells them? And that's the Christian, the Great Commission. But I want to add another question. Uh, it's this. Why would they listen if we talk the talk but don't walk the walk? Why would they listen if my words and my behavior are not consistent? Uh, I, today's message is called, Before You Say It, Show It. And it's about the platform of credibility that you and I build to cause people to believe that the God we proclaim is real. And I think it's really going to help you. But I want to start with a video this morning. And it's a true story. It's about a young girl in our church. Her name is Paige. And a Paige at one time was rejected by her family. Uh, she, was, she was in the foster care system. And uh, Paige was being sent away, and she'll tell you from family. And uh, one of our church members, a family in, in our church, uh, Dan and Jessica Snow, uh, they had been foster parents at one time. And they heard she was you know, kind of being sent away and... Jessica dropped everything and went to pick her up in Memphis and brought her and her two sisters in their home. Now, this story will touch your heart, but I share it because here's a young girl that was rejected by people that should love her, and she didn't have a relationship with God. But when somebody showed the love of God to her in a most practical way and gave their lives, brought her into their life, it opened her heart to the reality of God. Take a peek at Paige's story. Hi, my name is Paige Eaton. I'm a senior at Texas High, and I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, growing up, my parents were drug addicts. Uh, I experienced my mom overdose. My dad was in and out of jail. Their poor decisions uh, caused me and my sisters to move around a lot. And one place that we ended up was with my grandfather and my grandmother. Um, and while we were living with them out of the blue, he decided to divorce my grandmother. And so we had to move to a new city Everything was new, and my uh, grandfather sort of pushed me and my sisters in the background, and like we just felt abandoned because um, he was worried about his uh, new wife and new kids. And so um, this, uh, the environment just forced me into, uh, into being rebellious and acting out. Uh, I started getting into drugs. Uh, I also experienced my own overdose, and um, my grandfather found out, and um, he found out and he uh, kicked me out of the house and put me on a bus uh, to go to West Virginia. I didn't know who was there, who was meeting me there, and I was just really uh, scared. And then my previous foster mom, who I lived with, lived here in Texarkana back in 2009, found out. And the same night she found out, she dropped everything and um, drove all the way to Memphis, Tennessee, uh, where I got off. And um, she took me in and gave me a home, and uh, I was able to uh, go to church. I started, you know, believing in the Lord. And then not only did she take me in, but uh, uh, she also got custody of my two sisters, and we were reunited again. And um, she just uh, showed us love that we've never experienced before, and she opened up her home, and uh, uh, she just treated us like family. 
Is Paige here this morning? Paige or her family? Would you stand if you're here? Well, we wish. Oh, yeah. Give Dan a big hand there. They're in his family. They're on the back. God bless you guys. Now, we share that story today because acts of love, acts of kindness, have a way of tearing down any wall or barrier that a person has to God, to Christ, to the message of Christianity. Uh, when we talk the talk, when we talk about Jesus, many people in the world don't think we're any different than any discussion on philosophy or world religions. But when there are actions in our life that demonstrate the love of God, it opens the heart of another person. And you heard Paige's testimony about how she later made steps to Christ because the love of God was made so real. Um, let, let's, I want to share with you four things this morning about how we build what I'm going to call a, a platform of credibility how we walk our walk so that our talk hits home. First one is to build a bridge of what I'm going to call love, caring, and kindness. Love, caring, and kindness. Jesus did this all the time. Uh, Jesus never looked down on people that were trapped in sin. If you look in the Bible, some of the worst sinners in Scripture were drawn to Christ, like, like, almost like a magnetic pull, and it was, it was the religious people that, that Jesus bumped heads with. But uh, Jesus would see, for example, a woman that was caught in adultery, the Pharisees threw her at his feet, wanting to stone her. But Jesus, while not condoning her sin, also didn't condemn her and told her to begin to go and sin no more and gave her mercy. You remember the woman at the well. It was in the, that was their own version of prejudice and racism, Samaritans and Jews. And you wouldn't talk to someone that was of a different uh, ethnic background. But Jesus broke through all of that. He loved the Samaritan woman. She comes to believe in Christ as well as her village. Uh, Jesus would talk to contagious lepers. He talked to a crazy man called the Gadarene maniac. Uh, he even gave Judas the best portion of bread at the Last Supper. See, he, he showed love that tended to break through the barriers that people have. I bet you know who this picture is. A number of years old now, and she's already gone to be with the Lord. You know who that is? Mother Teresa. Known around the world, not because she preached behind a microphone... But she went to the streets of Calcutta, India, to, to the poorest of the poor. Now, this is likely, this is certainly a, a Hindu man, a lower caste, uh, obviously had been living on the streets. She gave him a bed, her, she and those that served with her gave him food to eat. Well, listen, Hindus today are, are vilely persecuting Christians in, in many parts of India today. Uh, Hinduism believes in multiple gods, but don't you know when a little frail white woman comes and talks to this Hindu man, how many know Jesus begins to be exalted because it's hard to fight through the barrier of love when someone loves you like Jesus did. Paul told us that acts of kindness can open the human heart. If you've ever met anyone that's hardened to God, hardened to life, angry because of life, love can melt that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, Paul said this, the Lord's servant, which is us, must not be quarrelsome, but be what? Yeah, kind to everyone. Well, let me know not everyone deserves kindness. Punch your neighbor and say, you don't deserve kindness all the time either. <laughs> People always don't deserve kindness, but we give it not because they deserve it, but because for God so loved the world, come on, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have life. Uh, I, I sometimes look at Facebook. I just refuse to enter into the punch-outs on Facebook. I, I think there needs to be some, uh, some uh, little uh, graphics on Facebook of, of uh, boxing gloves. Because sometimes, listen, you would never talk to someone face-to-face -face the way that we write things. 
But there's little battles that you'll never reach anyone that way. Uh, Paul said uh, to Timothy, you be kind, patiently enduring evil. I mean, no, people do stupid things because they have that stupid sin that's operating in their life. You know, when you're worldly, when you don't know God, listen, you do things because that sin disease has distorted and affected you. And sometimes it comes out in evil ways. We don't have to approve of the person. And here's the challenge. I still want to love you even if you are not living a biblical life. I mean, none of us really are. None of us. Jesus showed us all guilty because our thoughts are often inconsistent with the truth of Scripture. So all of us are guilty. But, but I, in some way, I want to practice what Scripture says in Ephesians. I want to speak the truth in love. Uh, to love someone doesn't mean that I won't tell you the truth. I mean, if you have a, if you have a, a cancerous growth on your face, if, it, you, you know, and if someone loves you, they'll get you into the doctor. Come on now. They'll get you to go see the dermatologist. They won't tell you to put makeup on it. They won't tell you to put a Band-Aid on it. They won't tell you to ignore it. They'll tell you to address it. Why? Not because they don't like you, but because they care about you. So this is the tension for the Christian. Because in our, uh, in our country today, uh, it's often called a hate crime to disagree with someone's lifestyle. So our challenge is made harder how to love people but yet still communicate truth. Because in the end, that type of truth will win. But Paul talks about correcting people with gentleness... And these things will, will open a door so God would grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Uh, your love and mine will soften the hardest heart and rarely will we ever win anyone to Christ. Come on, with a, with a sort of a fist fight. Let me show you a picture too. If you've thought about decorating your car as a witness, uh, don't, don't, don't do this. And, and, and if you do, please don't put the church's name uh, on the bottom of it. Don't say, join me in church at 9 o'clock. Did you see this one? God hates you sinners. Now, I don't know how they could come up with that. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he didn't approve of the sin, but he loves people. God hates sinners, and he adds poor Santa Claus, the poor gays, and the KKK. I mean, if you want to drive somebody away from God, try that. Now, here's a church. Uh, surfers, you're in trouble. Skateboarders, musicians, artists, vegetarians, uh, occupiers, not quite sure what that is, activists, addicts, fornicators, <laughs> you're going to hell. You better repent now. I'm sure that church is going to be filled on Sunday morning. Um, I'm going to read a testimony to you about the power of love, and it's from a Muslim girl in, in Indonesia. There's a vast difference. You see, we're taught in the world today, all religions are the same. All, all gods are the same. Not true. Uh, there are many counterfeit religions. One religion, though, that, that is void of the love that the Christian religion... See, the Christian religion is built on love. When Jesus summer, uh, was asked the greatest commandment in all the Bible, he didn't quote the Ten Commandments. Jesus said the greatest call of the Christian is to love the Lord with all your heart all your mind, soul, and strength. And then he said the second great commandment was what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So the Christian religion is built on a horizontal love, and it's built on, no, no, it's built on a vertical love and a horizontal love. Uh, the Islamic faith, when they worship Allah, it doesn't have much love in it. You're not, you're not serving Allah out of love. You're not serving because of what he did to pay the penalty of your sin. 
it's forced. That's why much of Islamic conversion is a forced conversion. It is believe or die. It's why a person can value a jihadi mentality that you would kill people to get to heaven, the very people that God loves. So Muslim people, though they may believe some of the wrong things, they desperately need love. And love can break through any barrier. See, I need love. I need it today, and I certainly needed it when I was away from God. The drug dealer, the drug addict, the people that are sitting in prison today, they need the love of God so the truth of God can can get to them. But here's her testimony. She says, I was born and raised in a fully Islamic way of life in Indonesia. I prayed five times to Allah almost every day. I read the Quran, that's their Bible, regularly. I, I memorized all the prescribed ritualistic prayers. I worked for a few business companies, and listen to this now. I had a colleague who claimed to be a Christian, but I detested the way her life was. But in the year 2000, there was a tourist. His name was Sam from Singapore, visited the shop at the airport where I worked. Now listen to this. He had a warm and genuine smile, and it radiated an undeniable inner peace. I had someone meet me in the hallway between services, and with tears in her eyes, she, she described the place where she worked, and she said, it is a tough, tough, tough place. But people come up to me every once in a while, and they say, something is different about you. Can you tell us what's different about you? See, it's Christ in me. She goes on to say, to my surprise, I later introduced uh, this man. Uh, I was later introduced to this man, and we began a courtship. We fell in love. But, and he shared for me a verse from the Bible when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now listen to this telling phrase. In Islam, I had no certainty and no peace. I was always in a state of anxiety and frustration. It's a works-based religion. But in Christ, I have assurance and rest in my heart. And listen now, the most important thing to me is the love of Christ and the love he puts in the hearts of those who sincerely believe in him and want to know him. True Christians love Muslims too. How many can say amen to that? See, we love people. Let me give you one more example here about the power of love. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Uh, This man was responsible for global Christianity but in his early life, he was raised in the strict sect of Judaism. Uh, I mean, he was, he was on a Jewish jihadi mission to stop the early church. He thought the church was like a plague of cancer. He was going to get rid of it. And he thought he was doing the right thing in, in the name of God. But uh, I pick up a passage in Acts 7 where Saul has seen to it that Stephen, a Christian, he's a deacon in the church, has been arrested. And now they're going to put him to death for his faith. He's done nothing wrong. But I want you to see... How undeserving Saul, a door of grace was opened to him by an act of love from Stephen. Now, the picture is they cast Stephen out of the city and they're stoning him. Uh, I I have a lot of rocks for decoration in my yard, and I I can't imagine taking up a rock this big and throwing it at a person, you know, five or six or eight or ten feet from you. When that rock hits them and blood just splatters out. Well, this is what's happening to Stephen Some perhaps made sport of it, and they took a smaller rock, and they throw it real hard, and it might hit him, and it might break out a tooth. This is a violent way to die if it it hits you in the eye. And he's doing this in the name of religion. But notice what happened. They cast Stephen out of the city. They stone him. As they're stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Hope beyond death. But listen to verse 60. He fell to his knees, and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. 
Maybe he was even looking at Saul. He fell asleep, a euphemism for death, and Saul was there approving of the execution. Now, we can only imagine, again, this, our imagination is not biblical, but I, I would imagine Saul had seen a lot of people die. And while they were dying, they would probably curse him. You see, because you weren't just stoned because you were a Christian. You were stoned because you had violated some law of their society. I mean, you had done something wrong. Many would beg for their own life. Please stop. I'll do anything. I'm sorry for what I did. I hate you. I hate you. I hope you burn in hell. But Stephen looks at him in the last verse. He said it so everybody can hear. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like Jesus on the cross. I suggest to you it made an indelible imprint in his mind. I suggest to you when Saul slept at night, he thought about what love was communicated to him by someone that he was destroying. And I suggest to you that's the basis why one chapter later in the Bible, Saul has this encounter with God and the one who persecuted Christians is now a Christian. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. See, this is why his love to an undeserving man opened a door of grace that an argument could never penetrate. You couldn't talk Saul into Christianity, but you could show him. Romans 12, verse 19, Paul would later write, he said, Dear friends, never take revenge, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, it's like burning coals of conviction, of shame on their heads. And then he says this great thing, Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Come on, tell your neighbor, love opens a door. Give the Lord a good, a good hand this morning. Now, let's shift gears just a second. We want to build a bridge, but hypocrisy will push people away from Christ. Now, by hypo hypocrisy, I mean claiming to have a belief or a moral standard to which your behavior doesn't conform. It is to pretending to be something we're not. It is not walking our talk. Though Hollywood produces... Uh, all sorts of immoral TV and, and, and movies, they believe they're a moral voice for the rest of America and telling us how to live, and it filters out in politics. But Harvey Weinstein and all those that were in some positions of power, how they used sex, how they took advantage of people, the culture of rape, and all these things, it just blasts us as, as hypocritical. Well, how many know Christians, if our walk doesn't match our talk, it has the same effect? Uh, let me show you a little video here, and uh, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad at the, at the last time, but you have to ignore the last part. They forgot to cut it out because it's about the preacher. <laughs> Take notes now. There's your Jesus sticker. Please don't leave a church card at the bank if you do that. Ah, yes. Four pennies on the tip. But she said, God bless you. Owls, pins, hair dryers. Coffee pot. But she left a Gideon New Testament on the table. We got some corporation. How can I help you? Um, sir? 
Sir, if you could just, uh, hold on just a moment, just a moment, sir, please. Um, sir? Oh, it, sir, excuse me. <laughs> Hello, sir? Sir, I'd really like to help you, but I've got to... Not really, sir, you, you don't even know my mother. If you could just, um, uh, well, can I have your name so I can flip your account? Okay, thank you. And uh, is Pastor your first name, or, uh, oh, it's your title. Oh, my feet are burning. Let, let me read you a scripture now, uh, Romans chapter 2. People are watching us. Whenever they know we're a Christian, the Jesus shirt, the Jesus ring, the car, whatever, they're watching. Romans chapter 2, Paul is talking to the Jews. And the Jews now God's chosen people. But God's chosen people were not walking the walk. He said, you're convinced that you're a guide for the blind and a light for people lost in darkness. In other words, you're convinced you know, you know the ways of God and you know the Bible. And you think you can teach the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. But verse 21, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but you're getting quiet on me now. It makes me feel like you Do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? Is there pornography on your computer? You brag about having God's law, but you bring shame to God by breaking it. Those, those who are not Jews speak against God's name because of you. See, when our talk doesn't line up with our walk, we push people away from Jesus. People cannot hear what we're saying by what we're doing. Now, let me pick on the preacher just a minute. Many moons ago, when I was in the Navy, uh, I, I was probably 22, and I was in Okinawa, Japan. And uh, I, I, I was, I mean, I came to Christ during what was called the Jesus movement of the 70s. And I mean, it was just like full throttle, full ball all the time. I would wake up in the morning, and every morning I'd be with the Lord. I'd put my Gideon Bible in my pocket, and I would literally fill up my shirt pocket with as many little tracks as I could stick in it. And uh, the rest of my day, I would see how many people I could witness to, how many tracks I could pass out. So uh, I was really trying to live a genuine Christian life, started Bible studies wherever I went. And... Uh, we were in the chow hall that morning, and on, on the way out the chow hall, it was this sign on the door where everybody walked out and said, do not take food from the chow hall. Well, I got there late, and I didn't have time to scarf down all my food, so I put the apple in my pocket and was going to take it at work. And I can't remember whether I was outside the door or it was during the day at break or something. And I put that apple in my mouth, and as soon as I went crunch, this guy I'd been witnessing to, his name was Pat. He was a little older than me. He was much smarter than me. And he was watching me, and he said, I didn't know it was okay for Christians to steal. <laughs> Get thou behind me, Satan. Thou. I mean, I did the same thing you do. Well, I'm hungry, and I didn't have time to eat. And my only point in saying that is, it may be true reasons, but people are watching us. Listen, it may not bother you and, I, you, you and I. There's some things that I don't do as a Christian that I think are okay to do, but because it, it would offend and bother other people, I won't do it because I don't want my life to be a stumbling block to other people. Come on now. Listen, I can just tell you this. If you saw me after, after church today, my wife's in Mexico. If you saw me over at the bar of Applebee's and the waitress would flirt with me and I'd flirt back a little bit and I had a beer in front of me, you would not be here next Sunday. So why should it be any different for all of us? 
Punch your neighbor and says, he's talking to the people behind us. Don't look back right now because they are showing it. Let's go back to the bridge building. Build a bridge. Now, remember we talked before about a bridge of love and kindness? Let's think a moment about a bridge of helping and serving people. Let me show you a little quick video. It's called Servant Evangelism, but it conveys an attitude. It conveys a... a, a, a actually, I'm going to skip it because I've I'm, I'm, I'm been doing a little too much time today. Let me, let me summarize it for you briefly. It, it, it's a church, and what they do is they try to literally take the Great Commission to people, but they do a lot of acts of service in the name of Christ. For example, they might have a free car wash uh, and not charge anybody anything, and people say, why do you do it? It says, well, the Lord loves you. You know, uh, a guy may get, uh, you know, a, a case of cool water when it's 100 degrees and the, work, and the ro road crew is out there working uh, and, and they're out there, you know, paving the road and it's as hot as it can be and you might just go and just give them cold water, come on now, and not because you want anything, not because you're selling it, just simply as this way to say Jesus loves you and so do I. But can I tell you, with this idea of serving people, how much power is it? For example, let's say someone on your street uh, is diagnosed with cancer. It's a mom, she's diagnosed with breast cancer, like my wife was several years ago. And uh, you hear about it, and mom's got a couple kids. Well, I can tell you, life's going to get a little complicated for that family. And uh, w what if you just once a week would prepare a meal, or you just make some little freezer meals and put little plastic things and just bring it to their house, and you just do that once a week? No, I don't want any money. I just wanted to say, I care about you. Why are you doing this? Well, really, I'll tell you why. It's because Jesus loves all of us, and I just want to tell you that I love you too, and I pray for you every day. That person could be a staunch atheist. They could be an agnostic. They could have been hurt in church. But I'll tell you, friend, your active service will melt what's going on in their life. How about the dad of a divorced dad on the street with you again? He gets the kids. their shared custody. Dad, though, has to be at work at 7.30, and the kids do not want to go to school. Come on now. They don't want to get up that early. And you kind of watch that dad, and he's dragging those kids out of the house, and they're half-closed, and shoes aren't tied, and there's not a lunch there. That old man needs some help. Come on now. Well, what if you just said, hey, could I take your kids to school? They can ride with mine. We go to school anyway. And not because you're flirting with him or because you want anything from him. But when he finally gets around, say, why in the world are you being so nice to me? Because God's been nice to us, and I, I just simply want to tell you that we love you too, and we just wanted it. My husband and I just wanted to help you a little bit. I'm telling you, friends, serving people has the power to melt a heart. It has the power to, to get in. I, I don't know if you saw our own Texarkana paper uh, yesterday, but I saw this on the back page in the little religious section. Now, I got a picture here. I'll show it to you. But it's these two women, and uh, uh, they, they're praying for a Hispanic man. But you see where it says up, upper right, need prayer? Well, what they do is they get a little pop-up tent, like you buy at Sam's or Walmart, you know, that you, you, know, you cook under or whatever, a little pop-up tent. And they just put the sign on it, need prayer. But they did it in downtown Fresno on a super busy street. And uh, they say, here's this guy, what his, what, what his name is uh, uh, Mr. Mendoza. Anyway, he said he was riding his bicycle, but he pulls over, and he's greeted by these two ladies. Uh, uh, the women put their arms on his shoulder. They prayed for him. And then he, as he drove away, he said, it gives me hope for positive things in the future. Uh, he says, uh, the prayer, uh, I pray so I can just live a sober life and not go backwards, but go forwards and do everything for my daughter that I can. And the woman says, people come from all walks of life. They stop by for prayers. A majority are well-off professionals, not homeless. 
And the level of desperation continues to catch me off guard. And she went on to talk about a gang member coming by. And all she did was just find a way to serve people. Maybe have a box of donuts there. Simply to say, God loves you and so do I. And I tell you, friend, it makes a difference. Let me give you a biblical example of this. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. There's a believer in Joppa. Her name is Dorcas. Now, I don't know why anyone would name their, their, their little girl Dork, but that's her Greek name. We'll call her by her Aramaic name. It's Tabitha. Notice this next phrase. She was always doing what? Kind things and helping the poor. So it doesn't mean she just did it at Thanksgiving or Christmas, but as a part of her life, she just worked it in the fabric of her life. For example, if, again, the neighbor, the cancer on the street, she just bought, you know, a little more spaghetti mix so she made just a little more, and she all her life she was living that way. Verse 37, tragically, she died. Uh, believers heard Peter was nearby, and, and they, they wanted Peter to come and pray for a miracle. And the Bible records a literal physical miracle where she came back to life, but that's not what I'm reading it. As he got there, verse 39, uh, they took him to the room where her body was, and the room is filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and clothes that Dorcas or Tabitha had made. In other words, they're just showing samples of the love of God and they were so desperate for some help by some miracle might be done that God might raise this man from the dead simply because she had this attitude of caring for people. Come on now, probably some she'd never met. You know our church is doing this right now? Well, my wife is with a team of 25 ladies, the, uh, not just ladies, but ladies and men, and they're in Mexico right now. They've got some kids with them. And, and they have, have uh, uh, did activities to raise money so they could give 500 families enough rice and beans to feed their family for a week. Keep going. Last time they went, uh, people donated shoes because, again, these are just not westernized people. You, listen, most people in this room have a lot of shoes in their closet. We'd be embarrassed to say how many. But we try to go to villages where they may walk up barefoot. I mean, if you want to become a better American Christian, go on a short-term missions trip. And not just to a nice place. Don't, don't go to Paris on your short-term missions trip, okay? You know, go to Haiti, go to southern Mexico, and what you'll find is a combination of two things you'll never see in America. Desperate poverty, but desperate love for God. First time I went down there, I saw these women. They walk across this mountain. Could be four, five, six hours, a mountain to church, a rocky path, barefoot. And then they'd be in church a couple hours worshiping God, not because they're, they're, pity, they're, they're pitiful, but because they're just so in love with God. Well, anyway, when you go down to someone whose kids don't, I think these were for the church we built near the dump, uh, their kids don't have shoes. Come on. And then this last picture, uh, ladies in our church that like to sew and like to, you know, do these things like, like uh, Tabitha did, they made a lot of blankets because a lot of the people in the mountains sleep on the floor and don't even have a bed, but they'll have a blanket. Now, come on. And some people from America come down and they've got shoes and blankets and food and they say, Jesus loves you. Don't you think hearts open up for God? I'm telling you, friends, they do. And you and I can build a bridge with love and kindness and helping and serving. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand today. Let me close with this and then we'll, we'll close in prayer. But this last bridge you can build that I'll talk about, this platform of ministry, is our response to a crisis, our response to a grave disappointment in life can be a tremendous witness for Christ. 
As I shared with you about my wife's testimony, I looked this week, and it, it, her, her webpage is still on the internet. Um, but she was diagnosed with cancer several years ago, and here's what she wrote. But she's doing great now, by the way. It said, it was three weeks before Christmas when my doctor said four words, four dreaded words that changed my life forever. You have breast cancer. The only other thing I heard the doctor say after those words were mastectomy, chemo, radiation. My husband and I left the doctor's office in shock. In the parking lot, my husband took me in his arms, held me close as I cried. I was scared. Actually, I was downright terrified. All the people I knew that had died of cancer went through my mind. I grieved the loss of my health, the loss of my normal life, and I dreaded the thought that I would lose my breast. My world was spinning out of control. What about Christmas with the kids? And what about the missions trip to Thailand? I was facing a battle that wanted to destroy my life. And it was at that moment my husband said one thing I'll always remember. He said, honey, you're more than just a boob. Dot com. <laughs> uh, that was her website, more than just a boob.com. <laughs> but in those seven simple words, he was telling me that my value as a woman didn't come from my outward appearance. So I'm writing my story, now listen to this, in hope that I will help at least one other woman fighting breast cancer know that she will be okay. I am writing this blog for all the husbands, brothers, sisters, parents, and children to help their loved ones with breast cancer. And her response to this crisis did exactly that. The platform that she built through the internet, her webpage, her magazine, articles, Race for the Cure events, people from around the world would call Linnell and say, how did you make it through this crisis? And she would, in essence, quote Psalm 46.1, God is my refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. And her response in the crisis built a platform because people that don't know Christ, listen, you can say, I'm an agnostic, I'm an atheist, that's cool today. Those words describing people's religious belief are growing in America. And it's cool when you've got money and credit cards and debit cards and iPhone 8s and, you know, everything else, and your life is just rolling. But when you... And you can't get out. You hope this God thing is real. And when you see another person that's walked in that box and turn around and is smiling, not because they're happy or feel good, but because God is still good, you, my friend, have a platform to tell them about Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning, and I, I want to I pray with you. Again, next week, I'm going to do my best to be very, very practical with you how to personally lead someone to Christ. And hopefully over the next week or two that you can think about that person. And in a couple weeks, we'll see many make steps to Christ. But could we just bow our heads just a moment? In just a few minutes, we'll be heading out of here, going to lunch, going about the business of our day. But could I just ask you for just a moment to take time and say, okay, Lord, well, how does this apply to me today? Because I guarantee you, every one of us in our heart of hearts, we want our life to make a difference. We don't want to get to the end of our life and have just made some money and built a nice house and have a decent car, traveled some cool places and got some trophies. See, the only thing we can take to heaven is people. And all of us want our life in some way to, to count towards that. 
Lord, all of us, I would imagine, standing in this room today, want to build a platform with our life so that we're walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Lord, in my own life, I, I, I want to love people like Mother Teresa did. Whether it's that Hindu man that didn't even have shoes or a bed to sleep in, food to eat. Or Lord, whether it's a person at the workplace, my supervisor that's treated me poorly. Whether it's that person that lied and got my job. They do what they do because sin still dominates their life. And I want to be the vehicle for the love of God that might change them. Lord, I, I want to be able to change the routines of my life so I'm helping and serving people. Whether it's a meal I bring to a family with cancer or whether it's a holding an um, or getting my umbrella out and running across the street because a mom and has got her two kids and she's coming out of Sam's and she forgot her umbrella and she's got a baby and groceries and she just needs somebody to hold an umbrella and maybe even help her put the groceries in the trunk. And when she tries to give us some money, I don't want it. I just want to come by and say, Jesus loved me, and he loves you, and I just pray you have a good day. Lord, help us to be those kind of people. And, Lord, I ask you to forgive me today for any hypocrisy in my life, any areas of duplicity where I'm saying one thing but doing another, whether it's in front of my kids or whether it's in front of people I don't even know. I, I want to be one way, and that's the right way all the time but I really need you to help me because that's hard. So would you just come to us now? Slip your hands to heaven. A few weeks ago, we learned about being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's divine power to do what we are unable to do on our own. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us that divine power to be your witnesses as we go back out into the world. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Let's close with this last prayer. We'll have one song and then go. Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come to the front. We, we always do this in our services uh, because, you know, a lot of us had things that are out in the world that when you leave this place, they're going to be right out there. That problem, that issue, that struggle, the, whatever the case is. Listen, don't leave church with the same burden you came in with. Amen. Let some man or woman that's, that has the Holy Spirit in their life, let's pray together about it. Cast our cares on the Lord. Ask the Lord for help, for wisdom, for guidance. Maybe it's someone you care deeply about and they're in trouble and you want to pray. We'll pray about anything with you these last few moments. But the most important thing we'd like to pray about today is your own personal relationship with God. And I, I must be honest today, I, I was talking to Christians, fellow Christians today in this message. Maybe you're here today and you don't know if you died today if you'd go to heaven or hell. Can I tell you, friend, I was exactly where you are when I was 19 years of age. I was raised in church, very grateful for it. But how many know going to church won't get you to heaven? You can't do enough good things to buy God's favor. You can't give enough money to get in. But I remember when I was 19, if you were to look at me from the outside, everything was great. I'm, I was driving a new car my dad sacrificed and gave me for graduation. I'm, I'm, going on a, I'm on a college scholarship. I'm playing ball. I, I got cool clothes. Uh, I mean, outwardly, everything looks great. But inside, there was this hole in my heart that... Whatever I was, it's like it was a bucket with a hole in it. And I'd fill it up in my party life and whatever I was doing, but it would all drain out because it was a God-shaped hole in my heart. See, you and I were created to have a relationship with God. We weren't created just to live whatever, 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 years and die. We were created to live with God for all eternity. We were created with a God consciousness. 
We were created with a sense of awe and wonder when you see a flower blooming. We were created when we look up at the heavens to be amazed at the grandeur of God. We were created like Adam and Eve to have relationship with God forever and ever. But sin got in and messed the thing up. And just like Adam walked away from God when they disobeyed, if we want to go to heaven, if we want to receive Christ as Savior, we've got to walk towards God. And I'm not talking about walking towards a church now. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about coming to a spiritual crossroads like I faced when I was about 19 years of age. A Gideon told me these words. He said, Jesus loved me. He had a plan for my life. And if I was willing to turn from my old way of life and receive Christ as my Savior, like opening up a gift that was given to you and begin to follow Jesus, that man told me that he would change my life and give me the happiness I was longing for. And can I tell you, friends, it works. And maybe you're here today and you feel like right now I'm talking just to you. That's God through my voice. That's the Holy Spirit using my humble words to talk to you and tell you that Jesus wants to offer you forgiveness and a new way of life if you'll begin to follow him. And we'd like to join you at that journey. If you'd like to commit your life to Christ this morning and you want someone to pray with you, as we sing this song, I'm going to encourage you to just slip out of your chair and meet us at the cross. And uh, I promise you we won't embarrass you, but we're going to pray for you. We're going to give you something to help you live this Christian life. And we don't want to embarrass you in any way, but it's important to take a step for Christ. Because if you can't take a step for Christ in a church building, you'll never do it when you get out in the world. But I'm telling you, friend, I've never regretted it. August 15, 1976, I said, Jesus, I've done wrong, I've sinned. Would you forgive me and give me a brand new start? And my friends, I have never looked back because he is a good, good God. So our prayer team is coming to the front right now. They're here to pray with you about anything. And if in your heart you're feeling drawn to God to commit your life to Christ, we'll see you at the cross. I love you. Let's sing this last song and we'll dismiss.